The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. And they are, what's the Bible say? Saved. Well, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter, no, that's right, Ephesians chapter 6. Together, um, uh, read a quote this week that said, Insanity is hereditary. We get it from our children. I don't know if you feel like that at times. Um, But Ephesians 6, we're going to talk about bringing up children in the instruction of the Lord. We're going to look at Ephesians 6, and then we're going to get really, really prayerfully practical in Deuteronomy 6. Now, again, when we talk about these messages about training up children or bringing up children, the tendency is for anyone who's among us who's not in that season of life to just kind of check out and say, well, that's not for me. But remember what the Scripture says, all Scripture is profitable. So say, even though I've done that, I, I, I'm a grandparent now, or I'm a great-grandparent now, where the Scripture, all Scripture has uh, things to teach us. Or maybe you're right in the trenches. I mean, maybe you were up last night at, or early this morning at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning. I mean, you're just right there in it. And so this morning we're going to go to Ephesians 6. Uh, some people have said that experience is the best teacher. Well, if that's so we're going to be in over our heads as parents because by the time you learn what you should have done, the children are out the door. The best teacher is not experience. The best teacher is Scripture. And so what you want to do is you you want to accept Scripture before you have the experience. In fact, the best way of doing it is to let Scripture define the experience. And so when you're going through it, you just submit yourself to the Lord, say that I don't know what I'm doing. I find myself doing this on a regular basis as a pastor, as a husband, and as a parent. I have no idea what I'm doing, Lord. So teach me from your word what I ought to be doing. And here's what it says, Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In other words, it's the way God has established it. The first authority a person needs to learn is the authority of their parents. If they don't learn it there, they will never accept authority anywhere. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That, so that it may go well with you in the land and that you may live long in the land. So two, again, two admonitions for children. One, obey your parents. And second, honor your parents. One is uh, an action, obedience. The other is an attitude, honor. And then it gives two admonitions to parents. It says fathers. Getting that word in the Greek, is a, it is a masculine word. but it, uh, So that's why it's translated fathers. But it is, in some instances, used more broadly as, to encompass all parents, moms and dads. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And we've already dealt with one of those admonitions. Do not provoke your children to anger. Say it again. The devil's most precious resource in his eyes is anger. I mean, if, if, uh, if a potter works in clays, the devil works in anger. The Bible says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I believe what he looks for most in a person is anger. Because if anger dwells in the heart, the devil now says, oh, I can't wait to get my hands on that. So first admonition is fathers, parents, don't provoke your children to anger. Because if you provoke your children to anger, what you're actually doing is giving them a shove unto the devil. And the devil will gladly accept them. So, so first of all, don't provoke them to anger. And then secondly, it says... One's negative, now here's the positive. Don't do something, but do something. But, see, there's a contrast. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, just to say real clearly, there will come a day (laughs) 
that if children aren't brought up in the instruction and admonition and discipline of the Lord, that they will be very angry about it, even if that day is the day they stand before God. And they said, angry because why didn't Dad teach me about this? Why didn't Mom prepare me for this moment? So there is a contrast. Don't provoke them to anger, but raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So again, when it says bring them up in discipline and instruction, we can, we can take that to mean there are two things every child needs. One, they need discipline. You know why a child needs discipline? Very simply, they're undisciplined. Number two, why does a child need instruction? Very simply, because what's the, they don't have the necessary knowledge, much less wisdom to walk in the Lord. So they need help with this. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I don't know about you, but one of those, it seems, when we talk about the two admonitions for parents, one of them seems on the surface easier than the other. I feel like most parents, as I talk and pray with parents, m- most of us are all on, uh, feel, feel like, not in a self-righteous way, but feel like we're doing okay. I'm talking about parents who believe in Christ, who, who love the Lord, who, who want their children to follow Him. We, we feel okay, for, for the most part, on not provoking them to anger, things that we talked about, not criticizing them, not giving them unrealistic expectations. But, but then when we take a step into the next part, to, to parents raise them in the discipline and knowledge of the Lord, all of a sudden we, we feel a little less confident if that's the right word because the season of my life right now is I've got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old and a, and a 20-month-old and parent as parents and, and some of you who've been through it remember this we we feel a lot of pressure all the time because we feel like our children are are a reflection on us I mean my, my two oldest are playing t-ball for the first time and something strange happens to me all when my child goes up to the plate I, I kind of get a little nervous and it's not actually happening, but I kind of feel like everybody's looking at me. And when Abel's standing there and he's slouched over, and, or, or, or what am I children not holding the bat right, I feel like, oh, man, why didn't I teach them how to hold the bat? I mean, their, their helmet's turned backwards, or, or they're standing facing like this at the picture. I mean, what's going on? And I feel like everybody's, because we feel nervous, we feel like our children are a reflection on us. And so sometimes as parents, we feel tempted that we've got to take them all to, to, the, to the experts, Parents feel the pressure to take their children to the experts of everything, in America especially. Got to take them to the education expert. Uh, then we got to take them to the athletic expert. And, and, and then we got to take them to their hobby expert. Somebody definitely knows more than I know. And, and then we run across a scripture that says, Fathers, raise your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So think about that scripture. Who, who's supposed to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? The parents are. But now we feel like we've got to go to the experts. So, so one thing we do is we'll bring them to church. And that's, by the way, an excellent practice. But I'll tell you this. At best at the church, we can only reinforce what's taking place in the home. In other words, the expert, are you ready for this, parents? It's you. Oh, all right. We're about ready to pass out. Yeah, yeah, and I don't mean the word expert. Let's use a different word. The responsible one is, is you. So then we want to ask the question, how? Here's the good news. The Bible never places on us an expectation or responsibility without also providing the means 
to do it. First of all, through the strength of the Lord. And then in Deuteronomy 6, he's going to give us some really specific things. So let's look at Deuteronomy 6. And Deuteronomy 6 will, will help us avoid a really common mistake, I think, in parenting, and one that I know I've been guilty of. I heard this story from a preacher not long ago, and then I had to go read it for myself. And it's a true story. It took place during the 2004 Summer Olympics. I shared this with my Sunday school class, and it's something I've been thinking about. And, and uh, the, the, uh, the best rifleman in the world with the Olympics was an American. I believe his name was Mark. And uh, in the 2004 Games in Athens, he had the gold medal sealed up. I mean, you could already hear the Star-Spangled Banner practically playing and him standing on top of the podium. He'd already won the gold medal in the 2000 Games, and he was so far ahead from the next competitor that all he had to do with his last shot, are you ready for this, is just hit the target. Anywhere on the target. He was so far ahead, just hit the target, gold medal. And you know they don't just show up for the Olympics and shoot. I mean, he's been training all year long. So last shot comes, takes his rifle, takes his breath. I've never really shot a gun. I'm just making it up as I go along. I think that's what they do. Do they close the eye? I don't know. He closes his eye, breathes in, squeezes the trigger, and the target he aimed at, bullseye. And so he begins to think, second gold medal. And not long after he hit that bullseye, he's looking, and behind the target, a red flag goes up. And then the judge walks up to him and taps him on the shoulder, and he says, I'm sorry, you've been disqualified. He gets no points for his last shot. And even though he was far ahead, zero points, he's not winning the gold. He's not winning the silver. He's not winning the bronze. He's not winning anything. He had a bullseye. Here's the problem. When he squared up to shoot, he fired at the wrong target. The, the Bible says, and the psalmist says, this, our children are like an arrow in the hands of of an archer. And I'm going to tell you, parents, our constant temptation is to aim at the wrong target. And even if you hit a bullseye, even if your child's, whatever it is, grows up to, but it's the wrong target, I don't want to stand before the Lord and Him say, you hit the, you're aiming at the wrong target. So here's what Deuteronomy 6, for us parents, for we parents, whichever one of those is correct, I'll just say them both. Deuteronomy 6 is going to give us the right target. So what you want to do, we're going to read through Deuteronomy 6, and then you begin to, in your life with the time that you have, with the words that you have, with the actions that you do with your children, you begin to take an inventory is, uh, am I aiming at the right target? So let's go to Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. Now, this is Moses writing, and he's, he's kind of giving his farewell address. Deuteronomy 6 Verse 1, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land. And I want you to underline the word do. He's not saying that I just want you to hear about them. I don't want you to know them. I don't want you to just know what it says. I want you to actually do them. Do them in the land which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. So you see that? We're talking generations here. By keeping all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life in your days may, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So we're talking about heart issues right now. Then he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand that they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So let's talk about it for a moment. Let's pray together and then we'll walk through it real, real quickly together this morning. Father, help us. We need help. We need help from aiming at wrong targets. We need help from, from uh, not understanding how valuable the time is. Think of these children who sang these songs, singing, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus," singing, "'Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing.'" We pray that these won't be songs just that they've memorized the word. They'll be the songs of their lives, sung by hearts who, in accordance with the Scriptures, love you with everything that they have. Now help us as families, as parents, and as a church family to understand this scripture accurately and then to do it, not just to, not just to make notes about it or not just to remember we, we preached on this one time, but to, but to really do this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my aim for this morning is to just to be really, really practical, and I know we're at different areas of life. Maybe you've got uh, teenagers at home or you've got uh, young children or somewhere in between. Now, everything we talk about uh, uh, prayerfully will be applicable to all of that. I got my concordance out because I know some of you are in the season of life of raising teenagers, and I look for the word teenager in the Bible. The problem is it's not there. There's only two words that refer to people in the Bible, children and adults, okay? So I know the teenage years are a different season of life, uh, and you're going to shepherd them on to adulthood. What's the mark of adulthood? Responsibility and accountability. I just want to say one brief word about this. Because, uh, because of the culture that we live in, but as you're shepherding teenagers in particular, and we'll, we'll talk about this more in detail, um, it's always dangerous to give somebody the benefit of a station in life without requiring the responsibility of that benefit. In, in other words, as teenagers growing along, now I was a teenager one time, so I remember those Again, the good old days. I call them the 90s. When, uh, when, when you're coming along, you're growing into adulthood. You want to be careful about giving them the benefits of adulthood without requiring the responsibilities of adulthood. Question, why? Because if you give the benefit of adulthood without the responsibility of adulthood, now what will motivate them to the responsibility? You've taken it away because you already gave them the benefit. So you want to be really, really careful. You know, you have the freedom and the, responsi- and, and the independence. Always, if you give an increased benefit, always couple that with an increased responsibility. Are we all on the same page? You know what I'm saying? If not, if you don't do this, what will happen? You'll have a generation that throws off the responsibilities of adulthood and still wanting all the benefits. And researchers are starting to say, that's exactly what's happening in the country today. They call it the, exp- the researchers, the experts. Here we go back to the, they call it the expansion of adolescence. Now it goes from 12 years old to 26 years old, what they're saying. Because now, now when you're 22, you already got all the benefits of adulthood. You don't have any responsibilities. I don't have any motivation for the responsibilities. I just want to keep the, the benefits. And this will do, you want to do right by your child to teach them. First, first point on the outline, teach them about God 
diligently. Here's what the scripture says. You, uh, you, verse 7, shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall teach them about God diligently. The key ingredient to raising children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is diligence. We talked about this a little bit last week, so we won't belabor the point. Suffice to say this, there is already something being taught diligently in your home. That's, 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 without, uh, that's without qualification. Something's already being taught diligently in your home. What Moses is saying is, you want to make sure that what's being taught diligently is God. Now, if you don't, if you don't talk about God diligently, you're teaching diligently that He's not important. You've heard the old saying, to not make a decision is to make a decision. Well, to not teach about God is to teach about God. To, to not pray together is sending a real clear lesson. To not open the Bible and, and, and read it together, it's sending a real clear signal. And the real clear signal is, it's really not that important. So something's being taught diligently in your home. And maybe it's being taught diligently by Sesame Street or Barney or ESPN or whomever. But something's already being taught diligently. Moses, again, real briefly, he's saying make sure to teach about God Diligently, So that would be a healthy exercise, parents, to take a step back and just ask a question. And just, just, just take an inventory of the time and what's going on in the home. What is it that's being taught diligently? Uh, secondly, it says that you're to teach about God when you sit in your house. You notice what he says. We're just going to walk through this quickly together. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them. What's the them? the statutes of God, the commandments of God. You, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and then you're going to talk of them when you sit in your house. Now, this is going to sound really, really um, elementary, but just hang with me. If you're going to talk about God when you sit in your house, two things are going to have to happen. One, you're going to have to talk about God, right? And then you're going to have to do it when you sit in your house. Now, again, not to belabor what we talked about last week, but just to say it again, there's a lot of pressures uh, uh, for parents today to not ever really be in your home. Monday night's this, Tuesday night's this practice, Wednesday night's church night, Thursday night's whatever, Friday night's this, that, and then you get your whole schedule. Just think about your schedule right now, and in your mind you can already say, Monday night's this. Uh, here, here's what you need, at least one, at least one, this is a starting point, you need at least one sit in the house and talk about God night. One night that you reserve. Now, here's the, here's the problem, is for some reason we feel like these other things are more important than this. And, and we feel like, well, yeah, but this is something that we're going to get around to doing. That's why Moses said, you must be, remember what his word was? You must be careful to teach these to your children. Because it was true in his day, I don't know what practice they had in that day, camel riding, I don't know. Monday night, all the kids are going to camel riding practice. Desert scavenger hunt. I don't know. All sorts of pressures in his day and in our day. And, and, and you'll hear about this and, and you'll think, let's just set this, what, what are we going to compromise? And I'll tell you, if you're not careful, this is what's going to get compromised. So you might just establish Tuesday night in our home, 6.30, we're sitting down at the table and we're going to talk about God. Now I know that's, I don't want that to sound too elementary, well, I'll just tell you, at our home, what we do, we've we we got a little book. And I can't remember the title of the book, but basically the gist of the book is it teaches about Jesus through all the stories of the Bible. It starts with creation. And I'm just going to confess to you right now, I don't do this as diligently as I should. 
My wife knows this. She's sitting right here. We talk about it, all, we talk about it often, so I'm not in any way, shape, or form going to stand up in front of you and in front of her and, and say that we're experts. Well, I, I, I'm struggling with this, but I know how important it is. Uh, so to diligently talk about it in your house. So we try to sit around the table, and it's not easy, y'all. Priscilla's screaming. She wants more bread. Milk is spilled on the story we we're about to read. Abel's wanting to play with Star Wars toys more than learn about Jacob and Esau. I mean, we'd, we'd been through the whole, the whole gamut. But he says you've got to do it diligently. And take this, you don't give up. You don't just throw up your hands. And, now, I'll just tell you, not every Bible study that you do in your home necessarily is revival going to break out. But you're just going to do it diligently. You're just going to do it faithfully. You're going to have the same habit that Sesame Street has. They're just day in and day out. They're just faithful to it. But, but you know what I'm saying. We're talking about much more precious things than the cookie monster. You want to do it diligently. First of all, when you sit in your house, we'll keep moving. Secondly, you want to talk about God when you walk by your way. So you want to spend time at home, but we're not going to be able to spend all our time at home. Right? So he says, when you walk by your way. If we're going to update this translation to our day, it would say, when you're in the minivan. Right? That's what he's talking about. You got all those kids crammed in there and you're driving and, and, and your knees are submerged in McNuggets and, and Happy Meal toys. And, and if anybody's found out the, the means of keeping the car clean with little children, by all means, p- please come and talk to us at the end of the service. We want to know the trick. So, so, but, but he's talking about when you, when, you go in, when you're on your way. When you're on your way, talk about God. When you're in your car, on your way from home, if you take your children to school in the morning, that's what he's talking about. When you're talking, you're talking about God on your way. Easy practice on Monday mornings. Hey, what, what did y'all talk about in Sunday school yesterday? What, what was the story about? Or maybe you, you take a verse of Scripture and you're just going to try to memorize that in the morning. Here's one to start with, parents. Children, obey your, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. You're going to memorize that on the way to school. He's talking about having conversations while you're going places. Go to ball practice. By all means, go to ball practice. But on your way to ball practice, redeem the time. Because I, I know... Some of us parents would feel like we finally got them strapped in the car and we have a moment to ourselves. We finally just breathe. Somebody's not screaming in my ear. But, but Moses is saying, man, I know it seems like a short little five-minute ride to school, but you add that up five times in a week, you've already got 25 minutes. Now, I'm not good at math, but you start to think about a month and then a year. I've had a precious year this year to take my son to preschool every day. He gets in that, man, and, and just one little thing I've tried to do every day when we take this stoplight and we start to turn is I pray for him. And I pray, Lord, help his teacher be glad that she chose to be a teacher today by the way that Abel acts. Let's pray for him every day. Said, Lord, help Abel to honor mommy today in such a way that she's going to be so blessed that she's his mommy. And I always play, pray, Lord, make him pure in heart so that he'll see you. This is, and that takes 30 seconds. And, and again, I'm not saying I'm doing anything right. I'm just trying to be obedient that I know the scripture now I want to do it. Your children, um, more, than, more than telling your children you pray for them, let them hear you pray for them. And they need to hear you, you do that as mom and as, as dad. Now, the last refuge we had on the planet from technology used to be the car. <laughs> and now it's made its way there too. And now even riding in the car, everybody can be in their own little world. So I just encourage you, be more obedient to the scripture than you are to the pressures of the culture that we live in. Just ask questions and, 
and listen. Next it says, talk about God when you lie down. And I'm just going to go on and tell you this, this one leaves me full under conviction. Because I think what Moses is talking about here it says, teach him diligently when you walk by the way and then when you lie down is the uh, blessedness of bedtime. So many sweet little, with little children, so many sweet little innocent but real fears come out at bedtime. Have you noticed? I can see it happening in my little girl's eyes when I say this phrase. Let's go brush your teeth. Time for bed. <gasps> oh no. <laughs> it means the lights are going to cut out. This is a wonderful opportunity to talk about God. You finally got a captive audience, maybe for the first time all day, right? All of a sudden, a child who didn't want anything to do with you all day, now it's bedtime and they'll clutch at you by the arms. Please don't go, right? Great opportunity to talk about God. I have a terrible, terrible singing voice. Great opportunity to sing about God. Sing about, great is your faithfulness. Sing these songs that we sing. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Take opportunity when they lie down. Now you're saying... My child's 17 years old. I'm not stepping foot in their room. I don't know if I'd make my way out, right? (laughs) Talk about God when you lie down. They're on their way to bed. Son, I love you. I pray for you today. We're not talking. He says talk about God. That word talk doesn't mean lecture. It just means talk about it. We all talk about the things that we love, Right? He's talking about a home that loves the Lord. Just talk about it. It doesn't have to, you don't have to change your tone of voice and you don't have to start talking in these and thous and thys. Pray for you today, son, that you, I love you. Now, that's at bedtime. For me, that takes, here's our word again, diligence. Because when it comes to bedtime at our house, just be honest with you, I'm just ready for them to get in bed and lay down and go to sleep. By the end of the day, I'm usually kind of tired. And there's a selfishness that begins to creep up in me. I'm just being honest with you guys. I want an hour tonight to myself. I just want to be able to read what I want to read and look at, and talk to Julie and, and, and maybe see what the ball game score was. And here comes those feet down the hallway again. Why aren't you in the bed? Teach about God when you lie down. And here's what's required. Oh, this is so hard. Selflessness. But I'll tell you, if you're a parent, that word became what defined your life the day they said, it's a boy, or they said, it's a girl. As a matter of fact, selflessness became the defining characteristic of your life the day you stood up and said, I do. These relationships in the economy of God, marriage first, and then parenting, are the means by which we're sanctified. So here's a real easy litmus test. Your walk with God, what would your wife say? And then what would your parents say? They're going to be the most accurate people you've got. I'll just tell you this in my life. When I get short-tempered, when I get impatient, when when I'm prone to anger with either my wife or my children, that's that's a warning sign in my life. Not walking with God, you need to back up, be prayer, diligence, diligence, diligence. Not drudgery. I'm talking about drudgery. We've got this myth in our day that, man, if we just cast out all these responsibilities of marriage and family, then we'll really be free. I'll tell you this, a man who's decided to do that has already enslaved himself. 
no, no real joy and real happiness isn't to be found away from these things. What did Moses say? You do these so that it may go well with you in the land. It's, an, it's a lie straight from the pit of hell that's resounding in America today. today. Throw all this off, then you'll be free. You know what that sounds like to me? There's a young man who went to his father and said, Father, give me the portion of the inheritance that belongs to me. And he, when he gathered up all he had, he went off to a far distant country and squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, there arose a famine in the land and he began to be in need. That's inevitable. Some people are just at a different stage of it. They had not spent everything yet, but it will. So don't buy the lie. If it comes whispering, man, it'd be a lot better if we didn't have all this. So, I, so back, back to when you lie down. Here she comes, again, up again. Honey, remember the uh, testimony of the Scripture, honor your mother and father and obey them? I told you to get in the bed. Then there you go. You tell that to them right then, talking about God. Then you want to talk about God when you rise. First thing in the morning. Who's up first at your house? My house is always the same person. No matter how early we set the alarm, no matter what time he went to bed the night before, every morning, Abel Dees is the first one up in our house. So let's talk about God when you rise. Because just as in these last little moments of the day are so precious, these first few moments of the day, they're going to set the tone and the direction of the rest of the day. Make those first moments in your house a, a blessing. Talk about God. Again, not lecturing. Maybe it'd maybe it be a, a prayer time together. Let's just be practical real fast. If we're going to do that, you say, well, man, it sounds like we're talking about God all day. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're supposed to talk about God when we sit in our house. We're supposed to talk about God when we're going by our way. We're talking about God when we lie down. Talk about God when you rise. It's a real simple question. Well, what else would you want to talk about? Well, what, what else do you want to talk about? You're talking about something all those times. So he, here's just something. Just a couple of real practical things. One, establish a night that is to sit down in your house and talk about God night. We got such and such that night. No, you don't. No, you don't. You got this that night. Monday night, Tuesday night. You say, well, man, if I do that, I'm going to have, something's going to have to go. Well, praise God. <laughs> Something just went. And then make a commitment to talk about God when you're by the way. You go through the drive through line. Somebody gives you food. Just talk to your parents. No, talk, talk to your children. Let's pray for them. One of the great blessings of my life was I went to the barber the other day. And the barber came out and said, man, I'm sorry, I've got to run. I've got to go. My, 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 uh, my dad's going to have open heart surgery today, and I, I, can't, I can't stay. And we got in the car, and Abel, oh, Abel D's here, old active, on-the-go Abel D's said, Daddy, let's pray for his dad. And Abel D's bowed his head, and he said, Lord, help my, <laughs> help my barber's dad. In Jesus' name, amen. I can't even drive. I'm crying. I'm about to drive in the ditch. Now, I don't know that Abel would have ever prayed that way. And again, I'm, this is one of the few good examples I've got. I should give you the thousand bad ones. If I'd have said, Abel, don't talk to me. I want to listen to the radio. Be quiet. Be quiet. <laughs> I'm provoking him to anger. Anyway, okay. So, so, talk about God when you're on the go. Pray for patience. This is in my own application. Pray Pray for patience and endurance at bedtime when you lie down. We are training our children. When bedtime, it's bedtime. But to be sensitive to fears that aren't going to come out at lunchtime. They're not going to come out at dinner time, but they're going to come out at evening time. 
I found my children are more introspective at bedtime than any other time and more sensitive. And then when you rise, each morning I just encourage you, it doesn't have to be 20 minutes, take a few minutes and you're going to pray together as a family. You're just going to establish that pattern. And I'll tell you, the, e- the, the earlier in their age that you, uh, you do that, the easier, the easier it'll be. But some of you say, man, again, I've got teenagers and we don't, we, we don't do that. Just start tomorrow. And they might be a little surly about it. But somewhere in their hearts, beneath the veneer of the cool teenager that we all felt pressure to be at that age, there's going to be something in their heart that's going to say, this is, this is a blessing in my life, maybe even if it's a few years from now. Let me give you, a, in conclusion, you see Moses saying, do this diligently, do this diligently, do this diligently. Now here's the question. Did they do this diligently? And to answer that question, I want you to turn over to the book of Judges. If you're in Deuteronomy, it's just a few books to the right, to Judges chapter 2. Give me two minutes, because this is extremely important. And as your pastor, I want to say, I think these are very appropriate scriptures for the days in which we live. Judges chapter 2, verse 8. And Joshua, he's the one who came right after Moses, right? Moses hands the baton to Joshua. Now the book of Judges records, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in timoth in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gosh. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. Remember what Moses said, you teach it to your children, to your son, and then your son's son. Here's the son's son. There arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Let me ask you a question. How did they not know about the Lord or the work that he had done in Israel? How did they not know? Well, you look on the screen and here's how you know. They didn't teach about God diligently. They did not teach about God when they sat in their house, they walked by the way, or when they lied down, or when they rose. And now I want you to hear the description of this generation. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to Anger. Go with me to Judges 21 25. Here's the description of a generation that's not raised to know God, who's not taught about God diligently and faithfully, not in, um, not in some sort of rote memory kind of way, but a mom and a dad who really love God and love to talk to their children about God. Here's the description of that people. In those days, Judges 21, 25, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? I tell you, just about every time I share the gospel, here's what I hear. That might be right for you. But I don't think that's right for me. Try to hold a standard of what the scripture says. That might be right for you all. But that's... What's the generation and judges saying? Everyone did. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. 
So, in conclusion, I just want you to see a glance into the future of how God describes a generation that was aimed at the wrong target. So what is the God of your family? Another way of asking that question is, what is being taught diligently? In the house, as you sit, the children just parked in front of the TV, they're being taught diligently. I'm just going to tell you, they're being taught diligently. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, what's being taught diligently? Every family has a God. Every family has something they talk about diligently. And so the concluding question is, what would your children say it is in your home that's being taught diligently? Well, let's stand together and we'll pray together. What an opportunity we have. That's really where I wanted to land on us. Not the guilt trip, oh man, we're blowing it. But what an opportunity we have. It doesn't have to be that way, right, in the book of Judges. And God, God through Moses, the great man of God, is saying, here's how you avoid that. I did want you to see it. There is a possible reality. Here's how we avoid it. Let's pray together. We're in a time of invitation. I just want to ask a few specific questions. And dads, I want to start with you. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Are you pointing them at the right target? Have you clearly established in your words and actions in your home with your family. Here's where we're aiming. Here's what we're going for. Moms and dads in your home, do you talk about God? Talk about what He's teaching you as you study His Word? Again, not in a guilt trip way. but feel the Lord blessing you with the opportunity that getting to teach your children about God is your blessed privilege. And you're going to do it better than anybody else ever could. Father, help us for these children Lord, every oak was a sapling at one time or another. And these little ones among our church family, how precious they are. They've sung to us this morning. What a blessing. Now, Father, you help us as parents to understand the blessed privilege that we've got. Help us to aim at the right target. And the target is that they, our children, would love the Lord their God with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, all their strength. Prevent us from um, aiming at other targets that our culture is constantly telling us as parents, aim here, aim here. But to set all those things aside, bless us with the selflessness of Christ, our selfless Savior, who took on Himself sins that were not His own, who, who suffered the penalty for sins not His own, and has raised us and given us victory. Lord, help us as parents love you more than anything else so that we can pass that on to the next generation. So there won't be a generation 
that arises in this nation that does not know the Lord and abandons him for the Baals and the other gods and does what's right in their own eyes. Help us as parents to know the remedy for that are these little moments that we sometimes overlook on our way somewhere or at bedtime or first thing in the morning. You help us, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.